five o'clock, the New Life class, uh, Brother Obed is teaching on fasting tonight, right? Okay, fasting tonight, and uh, depending on how long it takes him to get through the class, probably at least tonight and possibly tomorrow or next week, right? You think two weeks? Uh, and then uh, Sister Grace will be teaching on the Word of God and soul winning the following two weeks after that or however long it takes her to get through that. So this is moving right along and it's very interesting. So we invite everybody to come to that who have not been through the New Life class. Amen. And then at 6 o'clock, you will be amazed when you see this video. It is uh, about prophecy, of course, and J.R. Church. How many of y'all have heard of J.R. Church? Y'all have seen him. J.R. Church is a tremendous expositor of the Word of God. And tonight he's going to be sharing with us the book of Numbers, the wilderness experience with Israel, and how it, it, it is a type and a picture of the last days and final days of Israel. He goes through point by point and shows you the parallels in which we live right now and showing you that the coming of the Lord is very near. So J.R. Church will be in video tonight, and that's at 6 o'clock. Okay, so you don't want to miss these. How many of y'all enjoyed the golem? Man, I, I got a lot of information from the Golem last week, and it was very interesting. And I, I think that we've got books now, uh, or at least one book for the library there. So if you don't know what that is about, uh, let me just ask a question here. How many who was not able to be here would like to see that video? If you do, we're not going to lend these videos out to people to take them home with them. But if you want to see it and you weren't here or could not be here last week, if you'll let me know, We'll set it up for 4 o'clock uh, this afternoon, and you can watch it at 4 o'clock here on the, at the church, all right? So let me know that if you want to see that, okay? It's very informative. We'll let the children go to their classes. Good to see everybody here in the house of the Lord in church this morning. Amen. It's good to have uh, Tommy with us today. Praise God. <clears throat> Any new guests that I've overlooked this morning that, are, that is here? Okay, it's good to see Furman's mom and sister... Again, little one, got the little one with you? All right, praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. First time he's been here, I think. All right. Leviticus, in the word of the Lord today, uh, chapter 12, I believe is where we will start. Yes, chapter 12. Covering about eight chapters this morning, so we've got a lot to cover. We're not going to be in... Uh, great great detail in each one of the chapters but we will give you an overview of them because these are general commands or on various or various decrees that God gave or Moses gave to the people of Israel on uh, following the Lord and serving the Lord and living for God so we've got eight chapters we're going to cover this morning how many of y'all think we can do that <laughs> we're going to do our best to do that amen Chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean. Say, unclean. Seven days, according to the days of the separation for her infirmity, shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskins shall be circumcised, and she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch not, no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. But if she bear a ma maid child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her separation she shall continue in the blood of her purifying threescore and six days. 
And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her. And she shall be cleansed, say cleansed, from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be, with, say with me, clean. She shall be clean. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your mighty word today. Thank you for the commands that are in it, Lord Jesus. Give us understanding. Give us direction in it, we pray. We thank you for the mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost today. We thank you, Lord God, that you are God of order. And Lord, we praise you today, Jesus, for your presence among us. We ask that you speak to every one of us, God, today in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. <clears throat> Let me explain to you. Uh, we, last week, we dealt with clean and unclean animals. Y'all remember that? We showed you the spiritual significance of the unclean, and also we talked about the cleanness. But let me explain to you what these chapters are, are specifically making reference to. They have to do with ritual uncleanness. If you look with me, oh, at verse 4 of chapter 12. She shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing. Notice that, no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. So when you talk about these, these at the first part of these commandments, they have to do with rich, ritual uncleanness or ceremonial uncleanness. Okay, do you understand that? What that means is that if a person became unclean, uh, if they touched the dead animal or if they, they partook of something that was unclean, they were ceremonially unclean. That meant that if you read Numbers 5, Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, you're going to find out that that means that they could not go up to the sanctuary to worship the Lord in the sanctuary. They could not go to the tabernacle, and they could not eat of, if they brought a freewill offering unto God, they could not partake of that freewill offering because it was holy unto God, all right? So it affected their worship, it affected this, their, their ritual and their service unto God. But notice here in this chapter that this ritual uncleanness uh, was not permanent. It was temporary. That means that you could get cleansed from that uncleanness and then you could go back into the house of God and you could worship God and you could partake of the holy things of the Lord. So it was not a permanent situation. It was a temporary situation. Later on, we're going to look at moral uncleanness as we go through these chapters. The moral uncleanness, uh, literally, you would be cut off from the people of God if you were involved in moral uncleanness. So ritual uncleanness kept you from worshiping and partaking of certain offerings, uh, whereas moral uncleanness ostracized you from the body, and sometimes you were cut off, you had an early death because of moral sin. Are you with me? But not all moral sin was dealt with that drastically. So there is a difference between ritual uncleanness and moral uncleanness in the eyes of God. The prophets of the Lord, as they began to preach to the people, they would take the, the ritual things of uncleanness, such as the animals and various other things concerning the ceremonial 
things that you would do that would make you ceremonially unclean. And those prophets would take those areas of scripture and they would preach to the people and they would show how uh, that we are separated from God because of our uncleanness and that our sin separates us from the Lord. Are you following me? So they would take those ceremonial things and bring them over and apply them, uh, apply them in a spiritual sense and show us how that if you are unclean, you cannot approach a holy God and that you must be cleansed of your uncleanness. You must be cleansed of your sins before you approach a holy God. You've got to get right with God. You've got to get it under the blood. But the awesome thing is, is that you didn't have to stay in an eternal separation from God. You could come back by sacrifice and get back in fellowship with the Lord. That's the point. Do you see that? So that through the blood of Jesus Christ, when I approach God, if I've got sin in my life, then when I approach God, I can't approach Him. If I've got sin in my life, I cannot approach a holy God. So what I have to do is I have to bring blood with me. And when I bring blood with me, then that blood will allow God to forgive me and then I can approach Him. But you've got to bring blood with you. Are you with me? So if you were ceremonially unclean, there were certain offerings that you had to bring, uh, the blood you had to bring so that you could be cleansed and begin to go back to church, begin to worship God and get right with God. Now explain this in the church setting here because we're no longer under the law concerning offerings such as animal sacrifice. What does that mean for us today? There are some things that you and I can do that will affect our uh, service for God in the house of the Lord. There are some things that you and I could get involved in that would, would keep us... Uh, we would not be able to do certain offices and perform certain things in the body of Christ because of things we've done out in the world. Do you understand that? It doesn't mean that you're lost, but it does mean that you don't qualify to do the service of God in the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. And there's a great big difference from that, all right? See, uh, forgiveness is one thing, but qualification to do certain things in the church are altogether totally different. So that God could forgive you of something that is unclean in your life, but still the body of Christ has to say, no, you cannot do these things. You cannot fill these offices because you have done these things in your past. Do you understand? And therefore you are disqualified. For example, just look at the President of the United States of America. Forgiveness is not the issue concerning him. When he goes to the Lord and truly repents, if he truly repents, God forgives him. The issue is, does he qualify to be in that office? And by what he has done, he has disqualified himself from being in that office. Not just sexually, but the other things that he's violated concerning the law disqualify him from being in office. So it's not a matter of forgiveness or unforgiveness. It's a matter of qualification. Do you understand that? So to be ritually unclean means that you, there were some things that if you did them, you became ceremonially, uncle, ceremonially unclean and you could not participate in certain worship activities in the church of the Old Testament. And uh, also, you could not partake of some of the holy things. Somebody say amen. All right. Are y'all with me still? Okay, let's look at this. Now, why does God give us these things like unclean and clean animals in Leviticus chapter 11? Well, it, it has, for us, Romans 14, Paul says that the animal in and of itself is not moral or immoral. Are you with me? It is a non-moral issue. Okay. Which means this. There are certain things that are moral issues in the Word of God. 
that if I violate some area of Scripture uh, in the Word of God, I can be morally wrong with God. Are you with me? Those are the standards that are in the Word of God. If God has said something uh, in His Word that He forbids, He still forbids it. Do you understand this? And if I violate the Word of God, then I have committed sin and I'm involved in immorality. But there are certain things called non-moral issues. Non-moral issues that you can have personal convictions on. And those personal convictions, if, uh, you know, we're not going to stand up here and preach to you personal convictions, but we will preach the Word of God and the standards that are in the book. If you violate the standards that are in the book, you are violating the Word of God, not the Word of men. But you may have a personal conviction in your life on certain issues that the Bible doesn't specifically condemn. But if it helps you to get closer to God, everybody needs personal convictions. Are you with me? But not necessarily does it apply to everybody. It might just apply to you. God is talking to you about something. Somebody say amen. Now... So we see, when you talk about the unclean and the clean animals, they're not moral issues. They're not, they don't make you immoral before God if you partake of them. Or they don't make you moral before God if you partake of them. Okay? And this woman having a child, I mean, what's wrong with childbirth? That's, what, that's how life comes into the world. I mean, but God says bring an offering, a burnt offering, and also a sin offering. Why would God ask for a sin offering and a burn offering from this woman when all she's done is conceived and brought a child into the world? Do you understand this? What God is trying to show us in these chapters is that as we look at it, we have basic experiences in life. The basic experience of eating, chapter 11. The basic experience of giving birth to a child. We're going to go on through here. We're going to see leprosy. Diseases of the flesh that would make you unclean. On and on it goes, we'll see here. So that what God is trying to show us in these chapters, these basic experiences of, of eating, of birth, of death, of sex, of health, of food, He is concerned about all of these issues. So that the principle is that God wants to be involved in every, every area of my life you see this God wants to be involved in every area of your life birth your food your you know sex and and and, and the, the disease of your flesh everything death he was he the basic principle is he wants to be involved in your life and you need to look to God in every area of your life come on somebody so you know what God requires of us he requires absolute total commitment from us and he's showing us through the basic areas of life that he needs to be in the center of those areas and we need to look to him. Amen. Now, do you understand the reason why he's given these principles? Amen. Okay, say amen. So, then we look at this particular chapter here and a woman has a child, gives birth to a child. If it's a male child, well, she brings one sacrifice and she's, not, uh, she's, not, she's ceremony unclean for one week. I believe it says there. If she gives birth to a young lady, then she's two weeks. Uh, she's not pure for two weeks. And then I believe it's 60 days or so, at least 60 days, maybe 80 days, where if she has a little baby girl, then she's got to go through this process for a long period of time. The, the man-child is not quite as bad. Thank God for that. 
Are you with me? Well, let me just go right back to the basics here. Why in the world does she have to bring a sacrifice to begin with? Because Psalm 51 tells us, David said, In sin did my mother conceive me. And it doesn't mean that his mama committed adultery. And it doesn't mean that his mama was a prostitute when she gave birth to him. What it means is, is that when David was born, he was born a sinner. He was born with a sin nature. He didn't become a sinner. He was born a sinner. So the little child you got with you that's so precious and so adorable has got a sin nature in them. Are you with me? And you give them till about their three or, three or so and you're going to see that sin nature start coming out of them. Right now they're so adorable and so lovable and so innocent and so precious, you know. But they've got something in them that is called sin. It's nature. It's bad. So when David said, in sin did my mother conceive me, it means that he was born a sinner. Are you with me? So that when this woman gives birth to a child, she is giving birth to a, a human being into this earth that has sin in it. So he, she's got to bring the sacrifices and the burnt offering. She's saying, God, I'm totally committed to you. Are you with me? I'm totally committed to you. I want to follow you even in childbirth. And when I give birth to this child, I love you, Lord, with all of my heart. I thank you for giving me this child, God. You bless me with this child, God. I commit myself to you, Lord. I commit my child to you, Lord. That's the burnt offering. And then she said, I'll bring a sin sacrifice here because the child is a sinner. Thank you, Jesus. You see it here? Oh my, aren't you glad you don't have to go through all these rituals today? All you can do is just go to God and say, thank you, Lord, for my child. Forgive me of my sin. I dedicate him to you, Lord Jesus. Cleanse me, God, whatever needs to be cleansed in, in the ritual way, in the ritual areas, okay? Thank you, Jesus. Now, go to chapter 13 real quick, and we're, chapter 13, verse 1. <clears throat> And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in his skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priest. So now this man's got an infection in his body. It's, it's in his flesh. So he goes to the, uh, to the priest, or to one of the sons of the priest. It's examined by that priest, and it's determined whether or not it's leprosy. If it's leprosy, you know what they do? They proclaim that he is unclean ritually, ceremonially unclean. He cannot go to the tabernacle and worship the Lord. In fact, he can't even or she can't even stay in the, in the camp. They put him outside of the camp. They ostracize them. They separate them out of the camp because they are unclean. And those lepers have to walk around until they get healed. And they could be healed. Until they get healed, they have to walk outside of the camp. And everybody that comes in contact with them, they have to shout out before they come in contact, unclean, 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 as a warning, as a trumpet to the people around them, you can't touch me. Because if you touch me, then, I, then you will become unclean. So they have to shout unclean. And they are literally the living dead. They are walking around. They are dying in their flesh. Their body parts are losing the feeling in them. So they, they could hit their hand against a rock and not feel anything. And pretty soon, their hands or their fingers are falling off. 
Not so much from the disease, but because they can't feel anything. They'd be in a cave, laying in a cave, and a rat comes over there and starts eating on their toes. They can't feel the rat eating their toes. They can't kick the rat off, so they wake up and they don't have toes. So they are literally walking dead, and they have to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. This is a type of sin again. Do you understand this? It's a type of sin. We, when we were born, were walking dead people. We were unclean in the eyes of God. We needed to be cleansed. Okay? So as we look at these chapters, then again, God wants you to know that He's concerned with the basic areas of life. Uh, having to do even with, <clears throat> with the diseases that are in our bodies. And then if you go to verse 47 of chapter 13. It says, talks about the garments. It talks about mildew in the garments. And what to do about mildew in the garments. God gives that command, gives that. He's concerned about even that. If you keep on going, and by the way, that goes from, let me give you the verses if you want to write them down and read them later. Verses 47 through 59 have to do with mildew in the garments. Okay? Everybody with me still? All right, and then chapter 14, verses 1 through 32. This gives instruction concerning cleansing for people healed of a skin disease. So once they were healed, they still had to go through a process to become recognized as clean. And the priest, listen to me, the priest had to pronounce once that person was healed and once they went through the, the, the proper ceremony of sacrifice, then that priest had to declare to the camp they could come back in. And they could not come back in until that priest declared it. Are you with me still? So the picture, let me, let me just share with you what I'm trying to show you here. God is concerned about everyday areas of our life. But not only that, this is a type of sin. And we were born in sin. We need to be cleansed. They would take one, one pigeon, one bird, and they would kill it over running water. The blood is, is of course, a type of the atonement that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. It was killed over running water, a type of the Holy Ghost. And then they would take another bird and they would dip it into this blood of this previous bird that was killed. They would let it fly up into the heavens so that everybody underneath it was sprinkled by the blood as it went up. So it is a type of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and then his ascension into glory. The running water, the type of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me still? Okay. So we, are, we, are, we don't bring doves and pigeons today to be cleansed from sin. Jesus Christ shed His blood for us. This is all pointing to Him. And then He ascended up. We've been sprinkled by the blood when we've obeyed the, the plan of salvation in Acts 2.38. Okay, so praise the Lord for that. My, and I could spend all my time just on this chapter, but I want to get into the, just the overview of things here. Okay, somebody say amen. Now, notice what the Bible says in chapter 14 and verse 19. And the priest shall offer the sin offering and make an atonement for him that is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meat offering upon the altar. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and he shall be clean. See that? So that the blood is shed and by that, he, this is this is uh, cleansing process takes place. Now, chapter thirty-three through verse fifty-seven of chapter fourteen, it has to do with mildew in the in buildings. 
There are buildings that get mildew in them. They can't get rid of the mildew. In fact, I saw in the news not too long ago, some college somewhere in, in uh, the United States of America has got mildew in it. And they pulled up the carpet and everything else. And they've got uh, ionization machines trying to get rid of the odor there. But they cannot get rid of the odor because it's in the building. So here God gives the principles and what to do concerning mildews in, in the building. Somebody call it dry rot. All right, somebody say amen. See, God is concerned about everything in our lives. <laughs> yeah. But we have a tendency, as I've told you before, to, to uh, segregate or separate our world out there from our world in here. And we're religious here, but we're secular there. No. It's not that way in the kingdom of God. God is concerned about every area of our lives. Amen. Now, uh, go chapter 15. And I know I'm moving quickly, but again, these are to show you that God is concerned about the basic areas of our lives. Ritual and cleanness would take place through these things. Chapter 15. And I'm not going to get into all of this stuff here. You can read it for yourself. But it has to do with, with bodily fluids. The first 15 verses of chapter 15 deal with if you've got a boil in your body and that boil, the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's leaky then it, will, it makes you unclean and everything you touch, it makes it unclean. Are you here? Okay. Then he goes on down from there, and I believe it's in verse 16 through 33. He talks about uh, man's issues. These are sexual things. And it also talks about women's issues. Somebody say amen. And it might be good for you to read these areas and see what God has to say concerning them. Are you with me? Okay. Now, what is, what, what is the, the, the picture here? What is really the key verse here? Is that God provides cleansing from all uncleanness. Are you with me? Do you understand me? God provides cleansing from all uncleanness. That's what it tells us in 14. Let me go over there again. Verse 19. He shall be cleansed from his uncleanness. So it's not a permanent situation. Thank God for that. Man, if you become clean in the eyes of the Lord, you can get right with God. He'll cleanse you. He's provided a cleansing for us. All right? So, anything that defiles us, we can be cleansed from it. Uh, thank you, Jesus. All these things would separate you from or affect your worship to the Lord. Amen. So let me give you a little practical application here. We can be cleansed from our sins. It's not a permanent situation. God has provided that. He's concerned with every area of our life. All the basic areas of our life. But not only that, this is what he's trying to get us to understand. Is that if there's anything in your life or anything in my life that has separated me from my God, I need to be very, very careful and get that taken care of. Okay? That's the application that he's trying to... Uh, spiritual application for the church in the 1990s uh, in the dispensation called grace. Do you understand that? Because we are not bringing these sacrifices for cleansing and all this stuff. And we're not going through the ritual ceremonies anymore, thank God. So the principles are this. Anything in your life that is separating you from God, take care of it, God is saying. Because if you don't, it affects your worship. It affects your relationship with God. 
But he has provided a way of cleansing and we don't have to stay in our present condition forever. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? So get it taken care of and hurry, hurry back to God. And everybody always tells me there will be things that they're dealing with in their lives. What do you do about them? Take it to Jesus. Take, bring the blood with you. And say, Lord, I'm dealing with this, but I'm bringing the blood with me. I'm unclean because of that area, but cleanse me, God. God, I, I'm taking care of it. I'm running back to you. I'm not running from you. I'm running to you. Because I want to be clean. I want to be able to worship you right. I, I want to get the dirt off of me. I want to get the dirt out of me. Okay, amen. So they say, praise the Lord. I mean, how many of y'all like to walk around dirty? I mean, in the physical sense. How many of y'all like to take baths? I mean, or showers or whatever you do. Well, I got two or three in here that say they do. I, I don't like to be dirty. I like to be clean, physically clean. And I, I don't, it doesn't take me long. I mean, if, if, you know, if, as soon as I get real dirty, I'll go take a shower. So what about a relationship with God? Can we walk around for a week or two or a month or a year or two years or three years or four years and not doing the will of God in our lives? And walk around dirty and unclean ritually and it affects our worship and our approach to God. We have no victory. We have no joy. We have no power. We walk around with a religious experience and are satisfied. No, come on somebody. God is trying to tell you, don't go throughout life like that. Get it right with God. Get it right quickly. There's, you don't have to stay the way you are. God will clean you up. But there has to be short accounts with God. And you can't walk around and excuse everything all the time. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. So just as you don't like to be dirty physically, pray to God you don't like to be dirty spiritually. Are you getting the principles here? Chapter 16. <clears throat> Key verse. Let's look at it. Verse 34. As you turn there, let me tell you what chapter 16 is. It has to do with the Day of Atonement. It's called Yom Kippur. We're on the Day of Atonement. They would offer, the priests would offer sacrifice for all the sins of all the people. And it was done once a year. Say once a year. What does atonement mean? Anybody know what atonement means? Atonement means covering. So that what would happen on the Day of Atonement was, listen, all throughout the year, you, if you were under the Old Testament economy, you would bring these sacrifices to God. If you were unclean, you'd bring a proper sacrifice and get clean again. If you had sinned against God and you were, had moral uncleanness in your life, you would bring the proper sacrifice to take care of the moral uncleanness. But there were some things that you could not bring a sacrifice for individually. Do you understand that? We talked about those before. Like murder and like a, a child putting a curse on its family, etc. You could not be forgiven for those things. You couldn't bring a sacrifice individually and say, Okay, God, would you forgive me? But in this day of atonement, the Bible says it's for all the sins of all the people. So that every time you brought a sacrifice unto God, it was an IOU. It was an IOU. And so you piled up these IOUs. Go find out where he's going. Somebody please. 
You'd pile up all these IOUs, and then on the Day of Atonement, all these IOUs had to be paid for. So what you got to do is, you got to bring it to the high priest. The high priest is going to lay his hands on that, that head of that goat. He's going to kill that goat. Then there's going to be a scapegoat. Take the sins out of the world. Away from the people. So that what you have on the Day of Atonement is this. All the IOUs, you as an individual, had built, out, built up through the year. You bring it to God. You sacrifice that animal. And it's like a debt consolidation thing. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Bring this debt consolidation before the Lord. Sister Susie will say amen to that. <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. And you bring it, and all of a sudden, this, this, on the Day of Atonement, this scapegoat becomes the one IOU for all the rest of the other IOUs. Hallelujah. So that now you've got one IOU, a debt consolidation, on that one goat and then Jesus comes into the world and Jesus pays the price for all the IOUs that you had in your life and all the scapegoats that were there all those dead consolidations are there and here he comes and he pays the price for all of it okay and it's for all the sins of all the people for a whole year but it's once a year and it's called the day of atonement and it just covered it it didn't take them away it just covered it somebody say praise the Lord now, this high priest, look, look, look with me, if you would, verse 34. It says this. And this shall be an everlasting statute on you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. So once a year, maybe a celebrated Yom Kippur. What was it last week? I believe it was. The Jewish nation did. Okay. So this is what would happen. Now, when we get over there in the feasts in Leviticus 23 and 24, we'll explain these feasts to you. We'll explain the Day of Atonement for you. But I'm not going to get into detail here. I'll just give you the, the basic understandings. Do you, are you with me? Amen? So that what God is showing you here is that all your sins can be forgiven. Every one of them. There is nothing that you can do with the exception of blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That God will not forgive you if you genuinely repent and get right with Him. And you really bring a true confession and a true repentant heart. And you come there on the Day of Atonement. It's all forgiven. Thank God for that. So that you don't, when you leave that place after a day of fasting, it's a solemn occasion. Well, you are fasting and you're humbling yourself before God and you're repenting of your sins after that sacrifice is made. And I, when I get into the Day of Atonement, I'm going to try to explain the ritual to you. It was something else. The high priest couldn't even sleep all night. It was such a solemn occasion. And if he tried to go to sleep, the priest that were around, he'll make him stand on uh, ice-cold stone so he would not go to sleep. He is facing a very, very strong, very serious thing called the Day of Atonement. He's fixing to atone for all the sins of all the people for the whole year. And he's got to be right. If it's not right, he dies if it's not right he dies and the people are yet in their sin it's got to be right it can't be slipshod it's very serious so they fast for 24 hours a day repenting and getting right with God and humbling themselves before the Lord and the Lord says once the sacrifice is made the, the uh, goat is killed and then the scapegoat is taken out into the wilderness and driven off of a cliff. The sins of the people are out of the camp. And once that's completed, man, they celebrate. They rejoice because their sins are under the blood. So that now I don't have to bring a scapegoat or anything like that. I just come myself and confess it to the Lord. 
put it under the blood, then you can leave victorious today. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Now, when this, if you look at this chapter 16, you're going to see that this high priest goes through a very solemn ceremony. And as you read it, it will fill you with awe and reverence. Because you see this high priest in awe. And, and oh, it's just amazing. It's awesome. This, he had to wash five times on that day. He'd had to put on clothes and take off clothes and put on different ones and go through these ceremonies. And, I mean, this was a very solemn occasion where he had to go through all these rituals and wash five times because he didn't want to be unclean before the eyes of the Lord. Listen to me. You know what, people? I want to show you something, man. We live in a weird world today. We live in a world, gener a generation that does not respect the Word of God. They don't ex respect the house of God. When they wrote this Bible and they translated it from the original languages, when they came to the name of the Lord, you know what they did? They set their pen down and they went and took a bath, put their clothes back on, translated the scripture, got back up when they came. Now, if the name of the Lord was in that verse five times, that means you, before you wrote it, you got up and you bathed yourself and then you wrote the name of the Lord. What is wrong with us? We don't have a respect for God. We don't have a respect for His Word. We don't have a respect for His house. We don't have a respect for His ministry. We better get it together. And people use the name of the Lord, slipshod, and everything else, man. Come on. It's not acceptable in the eyes of God. God is trying to show you when you approach Him. It's a solemn assembly. It's a solemn occasion. You need to get right with God. Don't play games with God. And stand there in awe and in reverence for the holiness and the power of His Word and what He's done for you on the cross. Look at Calvary. Look at the sacrifice. Look at the blood. Look at the price. Look at what it cost Him. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. We're living in a time when people will not tolerate the word of the Lord. We're living in a generation that's going to get worse and worse and worse. People are not going to tolerate the word of God. Come on, somebody say amen. But look at the awe and the reverence of this man as he walks in respect to the word of God and the holiness of God. And then when I come before the Lord, I need to get that inside of me. And I need to say, man, God, I'm fixed to approach you. I need to look at the cross. I need to look at the blood that you shed for me. I need to look at my own life. I need to check myself out, God. I need to walk in reverence to you. I need to come before you in holy awe and fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? In a respectful, reverential fear. And that's what I see in this chapter. Right here as he approached the Holy of Holies. This man walking in reverential awe on the Day of Atonement. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. There's a lot in that 16th chapter. 17th chapter, go quickly over there. God says when you bring sacrifice to the Lord, you have to bring it to the tabernacle. Amen. I love the Word of God. Have to bring it to the tabernacle. What if you decided to say, hey, I'm living in a town and it's too far from the tabernacle? So I think what I'll do is I'll just do it my way. God forgive us. We'll just do it. We'll just do it our way. We'll just, we'll just make a sacrifice right here. We'll build us our own little altar here. And we'll do it our way. You know what God says? No. You've got to offer it at the tabernacle. 
You got to bring it to the tabernacle. The blood has to be shed at the tabernacle. If you don't bring it to the tabernacle and you try to kill it somewhere else, God said you're going to be cut off. Come on, somebody, save me. Yeah, when you try to have order in a church, you're mean. But in this, in this book right here, God says, if you don't do it His way and you bring, don't bring it to the tabernacle, you are cut off. God's mean, right? No, He's a God of order. He is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And we have to do it His way. We have to do it the right way. Say amen. How many of y'all have a fear of God in, in your life? <clears throat> I mean, a reverential awe and respect for His word. You know, when I first started preaching, this, there was somebody that paid me a compliment. A young lady in the church paid me a compliment. It's the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. He didn't say, they didn't say that this man can really teach or this man can really preach. They didn't say any of that. She walked up to me and she said, she told her parents, she said, you know what I sense in that man? He has a fear and a reverence and an awe for God. He fears the Lord. And that's the greatest compliment everybody's ever paid me to say that he, they sense that I fear God and I have a reverence for God. Listen, they need to look at and see that in our lives. That we've got a reverence and we've got an awe. We've got a respect for the Word in the house of God. Somebody say, praise God! So, again, they said, well, you don't bring it to the tabernacle, you're cut off. We'll get into that. Explain to you the word cut off in a little while, right? Look at verse 7 with me. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, after whom they have gone whoring. There shall be a statue forever unto them throughout their generations. Now, we get into the 18th chapter, and we get into through immorality in relationships with uh, people among people. But in the 17th chapter, notice what God does. Before he gets into the physical adultery chapter, he gets into spiritual adultery. Are you here? What is spiritual adultery? When you're unfaithful to the Lord, or I'm unfaithful to the Lord. If I'm not committed to God, I have committed spiritual adultery. If, you are, if a man is unfaithful to his wife... He, and he goes out and he, he uh, messes around on her, then he is unfaithful. He has broken the covenant. He has broken the commitment. He is not faithful to her. He is not committed to her. So he has broken that situation. Well, same thing applies according to the Word of God in chapter 17. We have God using that as a principle that says that you and I can be guilty of spiritual adultery. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Have you ever wondered why in the book of Revelation chapter 17... The Bible says there's a woman riding on the back of a scarlet-colored beast, and on her head there is a name written, Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, because she's a type of the false church system. And it's a church system that hasn't taken the name of the Lord in baptism. When you get married, you take the name of the bridegroom. It's a church system that hasn't taken the name of the Lord. Are you with me? They're not committed. They're not dedicated. Listen, read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 and see what God says. Five of those seven churches, God condemns them for their doctrine and for their lifestyle so that I can be right doctrinally but wrong in my lifestyle. And I can be right in my lifestyle but wrong in my doctrine. It's serious. We have to be dedicated, we have to be committed, and we have to be faithful in order to be considered to be a bride of Christ. 
If you're not faithful and you're not dedicated and you're not committed to the bridegroom, you're not going to go in the bride. You have committed adultery. Israel did it to the Lord, and now the church is doing it to him. Somebody say amen. You've got to get a hold of this. We can't walk around committing spiritual adultery. Be unfaithful to him, to the Lord, and be doctrinally, doctrinally wrong. So that they, all right, look at the words God uses. They shall no more offer their sacrifice unto devils, after whom they have gone a whoring. This shall be a statue forever unto them throughout their generations. Hallelujah. Hmm. Somebody say praise the Lord. How many of y'all want to be faithful to God? How many of y'all want to be committed to God? I hear people say, well, God understands. Does he? Does God really understand? He understands I'm, well, you, know, I, you know, I'm really not faithful in certain areas. He understands, I, you know, why I'm not really committed in certain areas. He, does he? That's a philosophy you got in your own brain, honey. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh. Somebody say, you know what? God's standards are high. I said, God's standards are high. They're not down here where we put them. They're up here where we can't reach them. Are you here? And this, and we'll look at it a little bit. Everybody has this concept. Well, everybody's doing it. No excuse when it comes to God. Because you and I as children of God have to do what God says and not pattern our lives after the ways of the pagans. But everybody's doing it. Oh, watch out. Yeah. I'm enjoying myself this morning. I really am because I love the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. But we keep on going. The Bible talks in chapter, 10, chapter 17, verse 10 and 11. He talks about you can't eat blood. And you know what Satanists do? They eat blood. They'll kill an animal and they'll drink the blood. You know why? Because they are mocking the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. They are vulgar. They are filthy. They are unclean. They do that. And not only that, friend, but they do even sicker things. They take women's blood and they drink it as a mockery against God's blood atonement. So God said in the 10th verse, He said, You cannot drink the blood of an animal. The blood is given for the atonement. And we'll look at that in a second. So if you drink blood, you're in trouble. Amen? Well, most, I know most of y'all didn't drink blood this morning. So thank God for it. But the pagan, pagan worship services took place in the Old Testament. They get in, their, in front of their idols and bow down to them and worship and offer child sacrifice and everything else. And they drink blood while they was doing it as a mockery to the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. Come on, we're at war, church. The immorality or acts of immorality. The scripture tells us that as, as God's purified people, it's up to us to choose purity in our personal relationships. And in this chapter 18, God is talking about these personal relationships. In verse 3, the Bible tells us, After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, with our bring you shall not do, neither shall you walk in their ordinances. The excuse today is that, for looseness today, is that everyone is doing it. But the Word of God says that we are not to be like the people of Egypt and do the things of the world. We are to listen to the Lord. We need to listen to what God has to say 
and not follow the practice of the pagans of the world. So we cannot excuse ourselves, excuse ourselves based on the current morality of the world which says it's okay and that everybody's doing it because God said in His Word that we are not to follow the practice of the Egyptians and not to follow the practice of the Canaanites so that we can be a separated holy people unto God. Verse 21 the Bible says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch, neither shalt thou profane the name of, of thy God. I am the Lord. And here he's talking about child sacrifice in the days, in these days that the law was written, there was a sacrifice that people would bring to false idol gods. And uh, it was Moloch's sacrifice, which had to do with child sacrifice, offering a sacrifice to the, any deity, not any particular deity, but any deity at all. And they would bring, of course, their children into the Valley of Tophet. The Valley of Tophet was a place where they would offer these child sacrifices to these false gods. And in this Valley of Tophet, there was a huge, huge molten uh, iron image, an iron idol. And they would heat that thing up, place it in the fire, and they would heat that thing up. And they would take their children, and they would place their children into the arms of this molten image, this hot image. And as they, of course, would do that, these children would be consumed in the fire and the flame of this molten image. And they would begin to beat their drums to sound out the cries and the screams and the sh uh, of the children as they sacrificed them to these false gods. It's a type of hell, of course, where uh, the lost will experience the lake of fire. The valley of Tophet is a type of hell. And God's word is telling, telling the people of Israel not to get involved in these practices of child sacrifice to these false gods. It's sad, but the people of God, the covenant people of God, uh, allowed themselves to get into idolatry to the point that they even offered their own children as a sacrifice to these false gods, denying the Lord that bought them and profaning His name. Today, we have child sacrifice. It is, um, they are sacrificed on the altars of ambition. They are sacrificed on the altars of convenience. They are sacrificed on the altars of pleasure. They are sacrificed on the altars of people's desires to do their own thing and a child would get in the way. So we have these sacrifices through abortion, uh, the, although they are not offered upon uh, molten images in the United States of America, they are offered on the tables of doctors and they commit these abortions. And therefore, the, the nation of the U.S. has departed from God's principles, has profaned his name, and it's very close to experiencing the wrath and judgment of God Almighty. So the Word of God talks about these child sacrifices here in the 18th chapter. Uh, goes on, he says in verse 22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Again, we have here a reference in the law of God and the Word of God concerning homosexuality. Uh, God says that it is an abomination unto Him. Some people like to say that it's an alternative lifestyle. But in the eyes of God, God condemns it, and He says that it is an abomination unto Him. It is something that God hates. Anything that God hates in the Old Testament, He still hates today. So it cannot be an alternate lifestyle. It is sin against God. You're not born that way. You sin against God. Verse 25, the Bible says, Because of these things, the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. There are things that are very important to God. The word of the Lord says that his people are important to him. 
the word of God says that he his land is important to him his word is important to him and so here we have these the people of God in the land committing these sins of homosexuality and all these uh, false worshiping of idols and through this God says because of it that the land would spew them out or spit them out or literally vomit them out from among them that the land itself becomes sick of the sin that the people are doing therefore the nation of Israel because of these sins and sins like them they were literally spit out of the land uh, of the promised land uh, and taken captive at various times in the word of the Lord because of their abominations in the sight of God chapter 19 the scripture tells us we have uh, laws of holiness and the principle is basically this the Bible says "Ye shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy therefore the tr the chief motivation for us to live holy and separated unto God following his commands living by his principles living for him and serving him uh, is because that he is holy that he is separate from sin that he is a pure God he is a holy God he is a righteous God and if we claim to be the people of God, we need to also have the nature of God. We need to live the way that God would have us to live. The first, cha uh, first uh, reference is holiness in the home. Verse 3 it says, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So here we have holiness in the home, respect for the parents. Uh, children, young people need to have a respect for their parents. They need to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. They need to respect their parents, not talk back to their parents. They need to uh, respect them in the way they talk to them, in the way they address them, instead of calling them old fogies and, and things such as that. They need to respect them because they are the parents over them. So we have holiness in the home. Today, young people need borders they need uh, they need fences they need a direction they need somebody that will stand up and, and will give them direction and tell them no and tell them uh, what they need to do and the way that they need to live they need to learn respect if you place borders around them they will love you because you've done that so don't don't go for this philosophy of today that says that um, disciplining your children is mean and that it shouldn't be done that it affects uh, them emotionally and such as that we need to look, go by the word of God and we need to to correct and discipline according to the word of the Lord because they in and they need and enjoy the boundaries uh, that we place around them that is the way they know that we love them and without that discipline without that correction uh, a child knows that hey my parents really don't care anything about me if they cared about me then they would discipline me if they cared about me then they would correct me and they wouldn't let me do these things. So my parents don't care about me. So the philosophy that we have today that says that we need to not discipline our children because it uh, will affect them emotionally and hurt, harm them is not a true, true, truth statement. In fact, it, it goes contrary even to our own children's nature. They know that we care about them if we correct them and we discipline them as the Word of God says. So there should be respect in the home uh, if we are to live holy again Leviticus 19 is not so much a chapter concerning ritual uncleanness it is a chapter concerning moral uncleanness holiness is not just negative holiness is not just what we don't do but holiness is the things that we do in life okay so it has a positive side to it also
And then we turn over in the same chapter and we look in verse 9. We see in the Word of God to be holy unto the Lord that we are to leave a portion for the poor. That there needs to be a, when the, the gathering takes place and the, the harvest takes place, they were told and commanded in the Word of God in verses 9 and 10 to leave a portion of it behind, not to cultivate and gather everything into their barns so that the poor could go out into the land and throughout the land there and they could glean the fields, that which was left behind. And this was the way that God provided for the poor. Uh, one way that he provided for the poor was that the people would leave something behind in, in the fields. And so today, in order to live holy before the Lord, we also need to seek to help as many people as we can uh, seek to help the poor in their needs at times. So we need to prepare for that. In verse 11, it says, You shall not steal. Now we're going to move to the holiness and business. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another, uh, according to the word of God. Lying and stealing and robbing and those types of things will get you, land you in hell. And the word of the Lord tells us not to lie. Revelation 21 and verse 8, it tells us that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone. So that we know that if a person is living a habitual lifestyle of lying, then they will not make it to heaven. They will find themselves in a lake of fire. So God is telling us to, be, to handle our business properly, not to steal, not to deal falsely, uh, neither lie one to another. Then he says uh, in the word of the Lord, And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of, the, of thy God. I am the Lord. So that whenever uh, you swear, in fact the word of God tells us that we should not uh, swear on the name of the Lord. But when you make a promise unto God and you swear falsely on the name of the Lord, you are profaning his name. The Bible says in verse 13, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. So we see here, holiness in business, that if a man works for you and he, you've given him a specific time frame in which he is to be paid, you are not to withhold that man's wages from him. In those particular days, they worked all day. They were uh, day laborers. And as they worked during the day, they would work all day, and then they would be paid, uh, paid a wage so that they could go out and provide for their family and buy food for their family so that that family could eat. And if you withheld their wages, you held it back, then uh, at times those families would become hungry. So God is putting this command in his word. He says when the man works, then he is to go and receive his wages so that he can provide for his family according to the time frames that are set. The Bible also says here we have holiness in everyday life, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Ye shall not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. So this, is, this has to do with the court systems. When we go into the court of law, there should be a righteous judgment. There should not be a sympathy for the poor. And uh, when you look and see a rich man there, you should not look at, look at him and lessen the sentence based on his position and in an economic position, looking and believing and hoping that there would be some type of reward that would come back to you if you uh, were easy on him. So the Word of God tells us, don't be sympathetic to the poor and, and don't lean to the rich, hoping for something from them. When you pass a judgment, it's to be a righteous judgment based upon the law. 
not upon economic positions and, and standards. So the Word of God tells us here that we are to be a righteous people even in our law and judgment and courts. In verse 16, Thou shalt not go up and down as the talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. So then God tells us right here that we are not to be uh, talebearers. We, uh, there are times we need to put a padlock on the nonstop press news box that we've got so that it is not a continual flowing of news. Well, some people will say, well, I'm just telling the truth. Well, you need to watch the motivation behind the truth that you are sharing about somebody else. So we need to put a padlock on that continual temptation to be a talebearer uh, uh, among each other. That's the dangerous thing in the church today is not that people are coming into our churches and putting us to death and persecuting us uh, with, with weapons of war, the danger of the church today is that people are killing each other with their tongues. So God is commanding us here in the word of the Lord to uh, not be a tailmonger, a tail bearer among the people. He also tells us right here in the same verse, he says, Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor, I am the Lord. So we are to guard against accidents and things that would endanger people's lives. It's not just enough for us not to murder somebody or to kill somebody, but God says protect or guard against accidents. Some In areas of the Word of God, it tells you to cover up uh, holes and things like that so that people will not go and fall down into those holes and be harmed. So that is guarding against accidents. Uh, sometimes when I'm driving, somebody will pull out in front of me and they... They, of course, uh, upset me by doing that, pulling out in front of me. So I have a tendency to accelerate instead of slow down. But the Lord has shown this in the Word of God today that I am to try to avoid accidents and not uh, accelerate when somebody pulls out in front of me even though they have upset me. So thank God we are to avoid these, these situations so that people are not harmed. And then we see in the word of, of God, he says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So that in the word of God today, we see that we are to rebuke, we are to correct a person when they are doing things wrong. Uh, if we do not correct them, then we actually are hating our brother in our heart because we are hoping by standing back and letting them do the evil and to do the wrong that um, basically more harm will come upon them but if we warn them and tell them that, that things that these things are not right hoping to help them to avoid harm then we are actually loving our brothers so that what God's word is telling us here is that if we are around somebody for example who uses the name of the Lord in vain that we have a moral obligation to tell these people that God has forbidden this, that he has commanded us not to use the name of the Lord in vain. And whosoever does that, uh, God says, I will not hold him blameless. So if we're around somebody like that, we need to rebuke them. We need to correct them. We need to say, hey, that's not right. You better not do that because that's dangerous to do that. You could have the judgment of God upon you. We stand back and we listen to them and we let them do it and we don't correct them and we don't show them the word of God, how it's wrong then God tells us that we literally are hating our brother because we are allowing him to continue these things that will be, bring destruction upon his head. 
or if we are around people that are involved in smutty stories and, and we smile and, and we accept what they are doing and we don't uh, uh, question them or also correct what they're doing, then we have violated this area of Scripture here so that we are to stand up for that which is righteous and let people know that what they are doing is wrong. Example that I gave in the message that, did, of course, did not record, and that's why I'm doing is re-recording this, was that when I was at work, my the owner of the company where I work was using the name of the Lord in vain, and I asked him respectfully to please not use the name of the Lord in vain because I love the Lord God, and, and it bothered me. And this man uh, respectfully did that. He no longer, as far as I can remember, uh, used the name of the Lord in vain. I got to keep my job, and so... We need to stand up, and we don't need to be weak, and we don't need to be uh, soft. We need to stand up for what is right. We, don't, we need to have a backbone, and we need to proclaim the truth of God and, and not be a participator. But not only not being a participator, we need to warn our generation about the things that they are doing is bringing the swift destruction of God upon them, hoping that they will turn from those things and avoid the harm that is going to come upon them as a result of these things. So the Word of God gives us many, many principles to live by holiness in the home, holiness in business, and holiness in everyday life. Uh, verse 32, it tells us that we are to respect the elderly. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. Uh, I am the Lord, he said. So when we do this, when we show respect uh, to the silver-headed person, by the way, Leviticus 27 tells us that that person has reached the age of 60 or above. So they are to be respected. We are to stand in their presence uh, just to show them respect. And in doing this, we are, res we are showing that we honor God. So these things that many of us do, uh, anyway, we didn't realize that they were actually in the Word of God, but they are actually founded in the Word of God, a proper way to respect the elderly. Then the word of the Lord gives us another verse concerning dishonest. A dishonest person uh, back in the day, in these days, they had different weights. But let me read this. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephod, a just hen shall you have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. So that back in these days, a dishonest person would buy with the heavy weights and he would sell with the lighter weights and, and that would be a dishonest measure. So God is showing us here in his word that we are not to be like these people and in, in be involved in dishonest measures. Then we come to the final chapter, chapter 20. The Bible says in verse 1, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying again, Thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever... He be of the children of Israel, of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Moloch. He shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given of his seed unto Moloch, to defile my sanctuary, and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do anyways hide their eyes from the, na the man when he giveth of his seed unto Moloch, and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man, and against his family, and will cut him off, and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch from among their people. So God has uh, given us the penalties for immorality, 
He gives us uh, the penalties for sins against the true religion of God. He gives us the penalties for sins against family. We're going to look at these briefly. But verse 3, it says that God will uh, set his face against that man, which has to do with God's anger coming against him. And God will take action against a person who does these things that we just read in the Scripture. So that the Word of God tells us that that man would be cut off uh, from among his people. That to be cut off means that you would experience an early death. Of course, because if you did these things, you would be stoned to death. So you'd have an early death. So the Word of God uses it cut off. Uh, if it had to do with uh, separation or to ostracize somebody, then they were um, also cut off from the people by being put out of the assembly or out from Israel. And that's the penalties for these immoralities that are listed in the Word of God. Verse 4 tells us that we as the people of God are guilty if we hide our eyes from the man when he giveth his seed unto Moloch and kill him not. Practical application is that God expects uh, the community of believers to act against the one who violates uh, the Word of God. For example, today there are many people who witness things that are, are, are wrong uh, and they won't get involved because they, they just have this attitude uh, about getting involved and trying to help people. But the Word of God says if you, you can't just stand back idly and close your eyes to something that is happening around you that is wrong that you need to be you need to take a, a part and you need to be active in exposing the wrong and and also uh, not hiding your eyes from that because if you do that then God says that his judgment will come also upon the person who tries to hide or tries to cover up the sin that is taking place there so we as a people of God have a responsibility before God to have a purity among ourselves for the, for the sake of the whole assembly and for the sake of the church and the kingdom of God. So this, this comes into our responsibility of dealing with wrongdoing. <clears throat> the Word of God tells us also in verse 9, For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. The Word of God is talking about more than just a child rising up with angry words and speaking angry words to the parents. This has to do with a young person uh, seeking powers other than God Himself, appealing to powers other than God Himself uh, to bring destruction of some kind upon the parent. For example, if a child says, or a young person says, I wish you would die, and literally he, he is hoping... Uh, that the parent dies, he's in danger of violating that scripture there. So that the Word of God is showing us here that these, these things are very serious. If they uh, called upon other uh, spiritual powers uh, apart from God to do this, that would be involved in, in spiritism. So that is one reason why they would go out and stone these young people who had done these things because they're calling on these other uh, spirits to bring about these destructions and judgments upon their own parents and that was the important thing it was on their own household it was on their own parents so they were taken out and they were stoned as a result of that also sometimes they would use or invoke the name of God and, and involve it in witchcraft and in magic so that if they did that then God's judgment of course would come upon them for that they were to take them out and they were to stone them to death because of this rebellion against their parents' 
and the process in which they took to seek to bring destruction on them. Verse 14 says, If a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. So not only some scriptures tell us in the area of adultery and uh, such as that, <clears throat> that they were to be stoned, but there were some sins that God went, even went to the point in telling the people that once these, if these people had committed these sins, an example is given, if a man takes his wife and then turns around and takes the mother of his wife in a, in a, 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 a sexual relationship, that they were to take that man and because he's committed incest they were not only to stone him to death but they were to burn them with fire so that they would be, do away with the wickedness that was among them verse 22 tells us you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them that the land whether I bring you to dwell therein will spew you not out he says in verse 23 and you shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you for they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, you shall inherit their land. I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. So God is showing us in these principles of holiness and the commandments that he's given. That he is concerned with our everyday lives, our, our, our even our birth process and our death and and physical diseases in our body, uh, food that we eat, the sexual relationships that we have, the way that we live in life. God is concerned about our lives. He wants us to look to Him in every area uh, and, and involve Him in our lives. We are to be a separated people, even to the point sometimes we have to separate ourselves from people of the world. Uh, not totally because we need to try to win them to God, try to reach their souls for God. But as far as participating in their sin, we cannot do that. We are to separate ourselves from, from this and be uh, accepted by God and be dedicated to God, be committed to God. We are to be a different people. We are to be a holy people because God has redeemed us by His blood. He has forgiven us our sins. He's cleansed us. He's given us a new life. Therefore, we should be a people who are holy, set apart, and committed to God, seeking to follow His Word and His commandments uh, in our lives. And by that, revealing God to everybody that is around us that there is a different way to live, that we don't have to live in sin, that we can be cleansed by the power of God, we can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we can have a new life, and we can walk in that new life and live by the commandments that God has placed in His Word. And so he says the, that you shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean and between unclean fowls and clean. You shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be holy unto me for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that you should be mine. A man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So that in the word of the Lord, in this Bible study, we have learned the importance of, of living holy before God in every area of life. That he is concerned about our lifestyles. He is concerned about what we do. He is concerned that we be committed to him and dedicated to him. That we may reveal him to a world that is around us. Therefore, it's a privilege and it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to be 
holy unto God, to be a people who have been saved and redeemed, a people who are different in this world from the people that are in the world who live by its principles and by its systems and by its fashions. Therefore, we need to walk in the presence of the Lord and in fear and respect and awe and reverence to his word, to, his, to, him, to the Lord himself, understanding the importance of being a separated people for his glory and for his honor. Lord Jesus, we just pray, God, for the ministry of your word. We pray, God, for this tape that we have completed here this evening. Lord Jesus, that you take it and you would use it to minister to many people. That many people will begin to walk closer to you, Lord, and obey your word and live by your commandments and by the statues that are placed in the scripture, God. We thank you today, Lord, that you cleanse us, that we don't have to live in a perpetual state of uncleanness. But we have seen by your word, God, that we can be clean. We can be purified by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If we bring the blood with us, uh, then you will accept us and you will forgive us if we repent from our sins. Therefore, God, let us live out uh, in our lives uh, what you have placed on the inside of us. Let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let the outworking of our lives be from the inward renewing of the Spirit of God and the dependence upon uh, your Spirit to empower us, God, depending upon your Word to direct us. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name, God. And I just praise you, Lord, for the opportunity to teach the Word of God. I thank you for helping me to bring this lesson. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.